the name of our podcast Valorians United we need a jingle <laughs> oh and we have a special guest today uh, Winston our bunny is in the back say hi Winston he says nose wiggle nose wiggle ear twitch I was thinking I thought you will have made him talk because sometimes Seth give the, uh, our bunny the voice that the magician gave bunny voices he talks like this <laughs> like a little old man he says I, he says I love you <laughs> But he can only say four words at a time. Yes. Because that's the rule. So, it, it, like, that's why he's going to be quiet, but know that the whole time there's a bunny with us. When I was a kid, I had, I mean, I, I still have ADHD. It doesn't go away. Uh-huh. Um, but I had very severe symptoms of ADHD. I, uh, my, my biggest problem was impulse control. So, like, you know when you just think something, and of course you wouldn't just do that random thing that you thought. Like, I would just do the thing. So I would walk up to someone, like this was in kindergarten, right? I would walk up to someone and just, like, draw on them with a marker or, like, cut their clothes or, like, kick them. Like, any weird thought that came into my head, I would just do it because I had no impulse control because of my ADHD. And then, you know, I started medication and it got a little bit better, but I still had some issues with impulse control. And one of the things that I used to like to do when I was in elementary school was I would say whether or not I actually had to go to the bathroom, like sometimes I would just say I had to go to the bathroom so that I could get out of class. But there would be in the halls, you know, they would have like those sort of, in our school at least, they had strips of like car, of like um, pushboard, like of pin. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Push pins in so that they could hang up like work that yeah. kids did or things like that. And I would find a push pin that wasn't being used and I would take it. And I would go to the bathroom and I would carve out designs in the paint of the bathroom stalls. I would draw on the walls. You were one of the kids that were vandalizing. Yes, I was. Yes, I absolutely was vandalizing the walls. Um, and it started out small. I started out by drawing a box, like a three-dimensional box. I remember this. And I would work on it every time I was in the bathroom. I'd take a push pin and I would go. And I would, instead of drawing on the walls like a normal kid, I was chipping away at the paint, which was much harder. <laughs> and more destructive? Yes. And so it was like the walls of the stall itself, not oh like God. the not like the wall of the the bathroom. Let's go. So anyway, and I was smart. I was a smart vandal because I thought, you know, I was drawing like hearts, like you know, such and such love, so, you know, and such and such. At one point, I did this, and I drew it of two other people in my class, and then I thought, well, someone's going to suspect me, so I drew one of me and someone else. And then I was like, why would I put my own name on there if I was vandalizing? And that was my, like, it worked. It was a great cover. (laughs) It was a smart little vandal. So anyway, all of this to say that, like, and, and I would do kind of, like, mischievous things like that when I was a kid. And then one day... I don't know why this was like in fifth grade going into middle school. Um, so going into, so I was about for your frame of reference or people who aren't in the U S school system, I was maybe about 11 and okay. all of a sudden I just had this immense guilt about having drawn on the walls. I felt so bad that I told my mom, I was like, I did this thing and I feel really, whatever. Like I didn't even go to that school yeah. anymore, but I was just like, Ugh. And after that, like, I don't know why, but out of all of the, like, things that I did, and I mean, I did some, like, shady things to people. Like, I literally found a journal entry that was, like, from when I was in elementary school, like, we made fun of Virginia today. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) 
Like, I was a really shitty kid. Yeah. I was a really shitty kid because I wanted attention. And, like, as someone with ADHD, like, um, I, even negative attention was attention. So, like, I would do things to get attention um, for various reasons. But this is now becoming a therapy session. But anyway... <laughs> so all this to say that for some reason I felt I don't know why it was that thing like it wasn't even a thing that harmed anyone really but I felt so guilty and so bad about having done that uh that after that like I really just like changed my act like in middle school I like really like shaped up and like stopped doing shit like that and like my grades got a lot better and like I don't know why that was the thing that like struck the fear of God into me but like I felt really bad and really guilty about having done that and it really like made me kind of turn my life around and I still to this day don't know why but that's sort of the first story that comes to mind when I think about guilt is like that's a time where I felt immense I felt immensely guilty for something I don't know and I mean I did even though I didn't go to school there that was also my church so I did still it was a Christian oh. school and so it was also the church I went to so I was also mm-hmm. seeing it while when I was at church so I don't know if there's a church element of like guilt yeah well as a as a as someone raised Catholic, I will say you, the, the church is good to guilt you into doing stuff. Okay, Catholicism is great <laughs> at guilting. That's like their whole stick. They're literally like, come and sit in a box and tell us about all the bad shit you did. Uh, like, what compelled you to talk to your mom was the guilt. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, before we get too deep into this, why don't we do our 30-second recaps? Oh, it's, yeah. It's your turn to go first today, yep. I believe. Yep. You ready? Yep. Ready, set, go. So Quentin is back on Earth and he's being like super corporate and gray and boring. And you meet Emily Greenstein, whatever. And we learned that uh, she was fucking with Mayakovsky and that's why uh, everything happened. And they fucked with Mayakovsky's face and Alice's face. It's really weird anyway. Uh, Penny's trying to get back uh, with his hand and Mayakovsky uh, fuck him up. And I don't know, I don't remember what happened with Margot and Elio. So uh, Elio, Elio. Are you ready? Uh, wait, give me one second to gather my thoughts. Okay. Go. Okay, Quentin is back in, like, the real world. He uh, meets Emily Greenstreet. They fuck. It's weird. Uh, yeah, it's Greenstreet. Um, and then back with uh, Penny. Penny has his hands. They're not working. So he goes to Mayakovsky. Uh, he has to, like, saw a fucking table and do some shit. Mayakovsky's making batteries. Uh, he knows the magic is shit in the shit. Um, and then Julia needs to get an abortion, except she can't because it's a magical abortion because God babies and then the abortion. I forgot to talk about Julia. So much shit happened in this episode. But like, so much shit happens, but also this episode is painfully boring to me. I fucking hate this episode I, and I need to say it to the world. This episode makes me angry every it, time I watch it. I mean, it. It, I guess it just, it feels like they just had a bunch of stuff to wrap up, but they wrapped it up in like really boring ways. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to rant about about it like, uh, later about what, what Q and Emily's... Uh, anyway yeah exactly right exactly um so by the way this is what i this is just what i wake up to sometimes at 7 a.m is these fucking construction noises and then my landlord's trying to tell me that it doesn't uh affect my living (laughs) so that's cute bonus content the bonus content is just going to be all of the construction noises. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so I look. Who do you want to start I look with? at? 
I look at definitions. Okay. And the first is viola- violating the law. Mm-hmm. Like you're guilty of a crime. Mm-hmm. Or deserving a blame for, uh, uh, for offenses. Like... F- this idea of feeling that you deserve the blame is kind of interesting because sometimes you feel guilty for a thing you didn't do. Well, see, I like which is, I like this definition here. Guilt is defined as a deep feeling of remorse for an act which may or may not have occurred in the past. Oh. Like, because I feel like you can feel guilty for things that, like, didn't... It's, like, your perception of the way that things happened. Yeah. Right? Like... So you could not have even done a thing. You know what you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would like to talk uh, with. uh, Who do you want to start with? uh, uh, Penny. Let's finish with uh, Quentin and Emily because I have a shit ton of things to say. Ah, Okay, you want to talk about Penny? Okay. Let's talk about Penny. Um, First, Penny is like angry and like about his hand and and like blah blah blah, but he's angry because I think part of him feel guilty. About what? That it, it is his own fault that he is and got mm. cursed. And I think like he, this guy had problem uh, managing his emotions, but he no anger, and it's easy to transfer guilt to anger. So I think that's why like he's so like snappy with the with the fog at the beginning. He's like, "You got here in bad, blah 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 blah," you know. But like that's he's angry at fog, but and in, in fact he's angry at, at himself. Because he fucked up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually don't have anything to say about Penny in this episode as far oh. as guilt. Uh, um, I I'm also sh- say sh- that... Um, oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was just like trying to think, but I really didn't have anything around him about guilt. Uh, I'm going to re- re- tell you what I have and answer. Let's have a... Yeah. Um, Mayakovsky guilt Penny into doing his bidding. Uh, saying, mm. like, you're going to have to work for me and blah, blah, blah. And, like, Penny does, does all his shit. And, like, Mikeowski kind of, yeah, he used guilt into because he know that's what Penny's, how Penny's going to work. Because telling him what to do will not work. You know? I don't know if he's, like, I don't know if it's so much guilt as just, like, manipulating. Like, he's holding him hostage. He's just like, well, you've got to do this thing or I'm not going to help you. I don't know that that's necessarily guilt. Yeah. Like, he's not like, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, sorry. It's not like he is like, oh, I'm making you feel like you need to, like, you owe me one or I'm making, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that he's holding him into it. I feel like he's just kind of holding him hostage. (laughs) Like, you have to do it or I'm not going to help you. That's true. Uh-huh. And also, um, the Mayakovsky, um, we le- like that's how we learn like uh, that he slept with Emily, and that's mm-hmm. why he's uh, stuck in break bill cell. That like he cannot leave, and that's why he drinks. But Mayakovsky, like you say, oh, I fuck a lot of students, and I fucked the wrong one. Yeah. But but uh, we know he loves Emily because the moment he's gonna get out in season three, he's gonna go marry her. Mm-hmm. So I feel he feel guilty for what happened. And that's why you drink. Yeah, I wrote... It's it's to forget. See, I wrote, like, does he feel guilty? Because it feels, at least from what we know in this episode, without the outside context of the future, it feels Uh like he feels guilty because he got caught. It doesn't feel, in this episode, in the context of this episode, it doesn't feel like he feels guilty because he hurt her. It feels like he is guilty because he got caught. He was like, I fucked a lot of students, and then I, I accidentally fucked the one that... Got got me screwed over. 
Yeah, but that, that, that's the thing. I, I, like, you think, oh, that's because he got caught, but, like, the first thing he does when he get out of uh, of uh, of his of his bound is to go see Emily and marry her. Yeah, but I wonder, maybe that's thinking that happens between now and then. Doesn't mean that he feels that way now. You know what I mean? And maybe he married her out of guilt. Yeah, like, we don't even know. Yeah. Um, but, you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's something that happens between now and then. Like, maybe currently he's... Or maybe he doesn't even know. Like, maybe he currently yeah. is feeling... Or he's thinks that the reason is because, like, oh, well, I got caught. You know what I yeah. mean? And then, like, he has he's alone and has a lot of meditating time. <laughs> and a lot of alcohol. Way too much um, meditating time. But, yeah. and uh, But that's what I had uh, about... Um, about them it's really the idea of using guilt as a tool mm. you, you know and i don't know where to go with that is just no i actually also had another i wrote guilt as a tool for um if we switch to julia real quick is that okay yeah no no let's go I, I was done with it so, well, let's, so let's go I, yeah julia. i actually had a note about i literally wrote guilt as a tool um when julia guilts the doctor into taking yeah. her sooner she's yeah. like uh, you know, like she essentially like, you know, leads, leads her to believe that it was like, she's a victim of abuse, which is true. Um, but like the doctor sort of said that and she just sort of rolled with it and was like, yeah, I need you to take me sooner. And then the doctor like did, but I, you know, that idea that like guilt in a way, like guilting someone into do some, doing something is not always a bad thing. Yeah. But, well, like using it. I mean, although as someone who patiently waits their turn in the, the fucking medical system i would be pissed off to find that out right uh, yeah but like okay set cut his finger like pretty bad uh, yeah. this week and like you were the first to pat one of the first to go in the morning well because it was an emergency as opposed well, to other like, people that's different well, maybe for like like julia as uh, as of right now see or abortion as yeah, like but, the, 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 well, yeah, but the doctors say like nobody's is untouchable or above the law, and Julia laugh. So maybe the the doctor knows like she she understand that powerful white men can fuck your life. Yes, up. but how many other people waiting for abortions have in that line of people might have had similar situations and maybe yeah. just didn't say it. They didn't feel the need to guilt the doctor into it or they couldn't communicate that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like that to me got a little bit under my skin um, mm -hmm. as like, oh, I'm sorry, Julia, you think your situation. And I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's a horrible situation. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the idea, like your situation is so much worse than anyone like that seems a little privileged yeah. to me. Um, while we're talking about Julia and everything, like, it starts with discovering that Julia's pregnant. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's not about guilt. I just want to mention it. How Katie is on top of things. Yeah. She takes, she go in, like, mama mode of, like, yeah, I'm going to take care of, really of you. Don't worry. Like, there's a... This is the like, first I, time we really I see I know you want to do it. Ma yeah, I know, like I know you want to do the magic. It's not good. Believe me. Like, I've been there. You know, like, I've been, uh, I've seen it. Like, I, I'm really proud of Katie. Like, that's, I, I agree that it's the, I feel it's the first time we see Katie. Yeah, we, that's what I'm saying. We The first time that we see Katie in this mode, for sure. Yeah, I think but also, like, KD the savior, KD the yeah, helper. Well, well, I feel like usually she has this uh, wall of, like, yeah, whatever, like, arms crossed. It's the arms crossed wall. Well, it's yeah. interesting because that is 
that is body language of like, yeah. don't come near me. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a physical wall. Like I remember being in dance class in middle or high school, I guess I was in, I took dance instead of gym. Uh, we had that as an option. And I remember I was standing there with my arms crossed and my teacher was like, that's body language that tells me that like, you're not interested in what's happening in my class and you're not like receiving what's happening right now. And yeah. I was like, Oh, you're right. I don't fucking care what's happening in your class right now. But you know what I mean? It's like a physical barrier. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. like, usually Katie is in that kind of, like, you know, one hip out, like, yeah. arms crossed, like, and this is the time where she's very open, if you notice her body language. She's mm-hmm. like, hey, like, and it, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with guilt. Uh, yeah. But, but with human connection of, I have experienced this thing, and now yeah. I'm going to be here for you. And, and and let's talk about it, like, they, like Julia take her, her appointment, and then they talk about it, and mm-hmm. the first thing they do is talk about the fact that they conjure Reynard. And Julia feels super guilty about it, yeah. as it was her fault only, yeah, and not she, a group decision. She says, I should have known better. She says it was, you know, something about it being stupid. Um, but exactly. also, in the beginning of the episode, I wrote, does Julia feel like this is her fault? And then I yes. pointed an arrow to that afterwards. Um, <laughs> yeah, because she does feel guilty. And I think, like, she doesn't understand, like, yo, Katie did that on her own volition. Richard did that on her own. Silver did that on her own well, volition. Well, I, you know, like, I think that this is survivor's guilt. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Which but happens, like, I mean, both, I mean, she's kind of got a double whammy because survivor's guilt is a serious thing and also uh, being a victim of something and then blaming yourself for what happened. Yes. I don't know if there's a word for that. Um, yeah, there is, but I, I cannot find it right now. Yeah, but uh, but I think both of those things are sort of, she's having sort of a two-for-one deal here. Um, yeah. Of both of the, you know, where she's like blaming herself because something, but really, like, I'm kind of impressed that Katie isn't blaming herself, or we don't see Katie blaming herself for this because really it should have been Katie. Yeah. And Julia took the fall for her. And like you were saying last episode, like, we really never see, like, no one, she never holds that against Katie. No, because I think both of them understand that there was no good solution. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, uh, um, well, at one part in the episode, uh, Julia says, I don't even know if it's Reynard or Richards. If she would have known it's Richards. We know later that it's uh, it's Reynard because mm-hmm. it's his motto. Mo- but like, if it had been Richards, I wonder if she would have had an abortion. But she doesn't. But the fact that she, she didn't know. She doesn't know and she decides to have the abortion. That's true. Like, she doesn't. But I, I maybe like the fact that not knowing and not wanting to know. Yeah. Not wanting to take the risk. Um, so the other thing that I actually kind of love is that it doesn't seem like Julia feels guilty about having an abortion at all. This is one of the, like, last episode I said, oh, we should praise the writer when they do good shit. This is one. This is how you treat abortion in TV. Like, Katie was like, dude, it's a bunch of cell. I had one. Don't feel guilty about that. I was stupid too. If you're not ready, that's fine. And I wouldn't even say I was stupid. I don't think it was, you know what I mean? No, but like, like it was, well, like, her not using a condom. And she's like, he said he couldn't get it well, up with a condom. She I was got, stupid to believe She him. got guilted into not using protection. Exactly. But the fact that, like, she knows she was, she should have used a condom. Yeah. And, like, she learned from that mistake. But, uh, like, she don't feel guilty. Like, we, Katie doesn't talk about her abortion ever after. And Julia neither. Because no. I think, like, there's a piece of, this is the right thing to do for me. 
And yeah. uh, I want to praise the writer for that because, uh, like, like I said last time, let's praise also the good thing they do. And also, if you think about Katie, I mean, and this happened year, you know, seemingly years ago that she got this abortion. Could you imagine if Katie had a child? She can't even take care of herself. She literally just got out of a drug den. Like that was clearly the right choice for her. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And especially, uh, uh, she didn't want to be like her mom. Yeah. I feel it's part of it because like, like Katie took care of, was the mom of the mom daughter relationship at one point, you know? And we don't, I mean, we don't really see this because we don't have a lot of reaction afterwards. They're just like, ah, there's a dead body. But after the doctor died, I'm sure Julia feels immensely guilty about that because oh, that, yeah. I mean, that doctor like went out of her way to help her and then it got her killed. Yeah, like maybe she even opened the, the thing earlier for her, you know, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And this happened. Ugh. And like, okay, let's go further. Uh, her dying means other abortion that's happening. Uh, along the clinic that got. Yeah. You know, like, if you go further. Um, there's one thing I'd like to talk that Julia said that sounds guilt, like guilt for her, mm-hmm. but I cannot wrap my... Okay. Um, so you say, you know the difference between magic and miracle? One is real, the other is uh, a lie with sparkles. Mm-hmm. And she said, she says that with, about like feeling well, stupid about... Yeah, I think that she, she feels stupid for believing because it turned out poorly. She feels stupid for believing that it could have been positive. You know, like... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It almost feels like when you're a kid and you feel like you got tricked by believing Santa Claus was real or something. You know? Uh, okay. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. she feels like she got tricked. And she really, and because she really believed that yeah. this, you know, and almost to the point where she was like, it's my calling. And I'm, you know, she got a little egotistical yeah. about it. Yeah, like I truly thought she chose me. And yeah. I mean, that's true that uh, Julia, uh, Julia is proud of her intelligence. Yeah. She always take pride in how smart she is. Yeah. And I think that's the... F- I think maybe that was one of the most, like, royal fuck-ups she ever did. Because I feel like if Quentin would have been there, maybe they would have talked together about it. And she... I, I'm not saying that if Quentin would have been there, she wouldn't have been raped. Yeah. But if Quentin would have been there, maybe she wouldn't have went to, to this ego... Or goes to, egotistical thing that you're worth thing of like I'm the chosen one yeah because basically oh my god basically Q discovered that he's not the chosen one at the end of the the yeah. season and Julia too discovered that she was mm. not the chosen oh, one. Oh, I never thought about that yeah. me neither until just I just now like <laughs> uh, you should have seen like the light bulb in my head but um it's it's really like how you can be- make yourself believe that you're a big shot, and at the end, look at Hugh and look at Julia, they're both miserable. Yeah. Um, so speaking of royal fuck-ups, can we switch to Fillory? <laughs> Best transition ever! <laughs> thank you, thank you. I have one specific thing that I wrote down, but there, I, there's more to say, but, um, which is Elliot feeling like he won't be a good father, like there's this yeah. guilt there of like, ugh. Well, I think it's the first time that you realize that sleeping with Fen is not just sleeping with Fen. Yeah. Sleeping with Fen means potentially having a family which <laughs> doesn't want. There's no ye olde condoms. Exactly. And like, like we are to assume that it happened in the time where they fought in both worlds. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it's a guilt of that too. 
I, like I mm. think Elio, Elio filled the guilt of oh my god, I sleep with I slept with Fen when I didn't want to, and there are consequences I'm not ready to accept yeah. now. And uh, like that's why his face is like, oh fuck, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then I feel like Fen. I don't know if she necessarily feels guilty, but then I feel like she feels awkward and bad for giving him this news that she was all excited about, and he's like, oh, it's like when someone gives you an ugly sweater for Christmas, and you're like. Thanks. Uh, but that's the thing I think like that's one thing about that's honestly the scene is what made me interested in Finn is she I think she was raised to say like you're gonna marry a king and you're gonna make an heir well and I think that that's um, and she got excited to have a family well I think that it's interesting though because I think that that's also the narrative not exactly that narrative but the narrative that a lot of us get right is like okay you grow up, you get married, you have a baby. Like, that's it. Go, yeah, and, you go to college, you, know, you get a house, you have a family. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because we recently had a conversation, semi-recently, mm-hmm. where we were talking about, you know, we both always imagined ourselves being parents because that was the narrative. And then we actually sat down and we were like, wait, do we want kids? And, like, the answer right now for us was no. No. Um, like, and- I realized I'm overprotecting my bunny. <laughs> you should have seen when he got neutered his surgery she was like is he okay is he okay is he eating i was like oh my god calm down you can't and then she literally looked at me and she was like i can never have a kid <laughs> <laughs> but that's true because i freaked out and like i'm super I, I project a lot onto a bunny imagine a kid and yeah. like i know and but i know my limitation enough yeah and that I, or if if we end up wanting to have a kid we're gonna have a shit ton of therapy we already have a shit ton of therapy. Um, yeah, that's right. Everyone should have therapy. It's so good. But anyway, I think that it's interesting that, like, I wonder, and I mean, at this point, we don't know. Like, later on, it does seem like Fen really wants to be a mother. But, like, I wonder if Fen really wants kids or just feels like she's supposed to have them. Because at this point, she's very much just following this thing that's been laid out for her. She's like, get married, have kids. Like, that gives me purpose. Well, she tells she, she tells Elia that she was excited to have a family when they learned yeah. that the baby died was still born uh yeah that's so hard uh yeah um i think that's like she got excited yeah about the idea of like okay i'm gonna like maybe my husband is not there but i'm gonna have a kid of my own to take care of and like oh finn i love you well that's what in a way like i feel like and this is sort of going into later episodes but uh like I it sort of feels like not like people who have a baby to save a marriage or to, but like almost like it's something that gives her purpose and a little more weight. It's like, well, I'm not just his wife anymore. And she says this to Baylor. She's like, I'm not just his wife now. I'm pregnant. Like, yeah. And like, it, like uh, Elliot announcing that she's pregnant. Yeah. Everyone's have like, as has a weight even for Margot. Yeah. Everyone's of like, like <gasps> the gasps. Exactly. But that, like now that, she has she has more of a tie to them. You know what I mean? Like, she's yes. part of the group in a way because, like, oh, now they've got a baby together. It's not just his random Florian wife. And also, I think they're like, oh, shit, we've got to take care of her. Yeah. But the question I, I I wrote down, and I'm interested to have your opinion on that, is why didn't he tell Margot that she's pregnant? That's a great question. I don't know. Yeah, yeah like, because, like, yeah, maybe, he, got, he, got, he got about to be killed and blah, blah, blah. But, like, he could have told her. I think maybe he was trying to find time to accept it. Because I think maybe he was in a little bit of denial or, like, didn't really want to accept it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, Dick was so ready to kill. And, like, Elliot wasn't, which is surprising because, like, they always joke about, like, those kind of things. But when he, yeah. he was, like, faced to the idea, 
It was like, no, they even said that Abigail is a psychopath, which, by the way, yeah, Abigail is there. <laughs> Her real name is Sassy, and she's the best. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> but um, that, like, the Philorians were like, oh, yeah, let's, like, either maybe strangle him or put a spike into him or blah, blah, blah. And they were like, Jesus, no. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. There are, oh, there were bunnies moving. Um, there are other ways. <laughs> there are other ways in, uh, in order to, like, fix a problem. And I like this idea of, like, two worlds collide. Mm. It has nothing to do with guilt. It's just I like this, like, first Philorian earth clash that yeah. we see. Because you, uh, before they were, like, just, okay, Philor is like that. Yeah. You know? But this time they're like, no, 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 no. Um, the, so, uh, do you have anything else to say about this or can we switch to Quentin and Emily? I have, uh, some things to say too. Um, can we talk about the fact that Elliot needs Adderall? Does he really need it or is it to get stoned, you think? No, it's not to get, so you don't get stoned off Adderall. It, it helps you pay attention and stay awake. So he's saying that, hi, I'm someone who takes Adderall, um, prescribed. Um, he's saying that like. He, because they need to like study. They're oh, use Adderall. And he's, like, grab some Adderall. Yeah, there's a bunny behind me. You should see Cat's face. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's like like a lot of people would take it in college to like stay up and write essays or study because it this for somebody bad. who doesn't have ADHD or other things that Adderall is prescribed for. It's usually prescribed for ADHD. Um, mm-hmm. It so for someone who does have ADHD, it's just going to balance that and help you be like a normal functioning human who can pay attention to stuff. For someone who doesn't, it's going to like give you an extra boost of being like you're. It's like speed. You're like ah, you can gotcha. stay awake and you can like focus on shit. Like I used to, yeah, yeah, I used yeah. to date a guy who would who would take it and then like stay up all night playing video games. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he that's wasn't, he wasn't the best that I dated. <laughs> Not my high, there... high best moment. <laughs> um, Look at our there's... gay son! Look at our gay son! He's gay now? Yeah, he's on my rainbow blanket, see? Oh, okay. Well, he's <laughs> queer. Let's, let's not put a label on it. Uh, that's a gay blanket. Well, it's, a, it's the LGBT flag. No, but it's really gay. <laughs> it's really the we'll gay ask him it's later. It's really the gay pride flag. Anyway. Okay. Um, but also, um, I like, them studying is surprising. Like, then they're saying, like, oh, we got to go get books, blah, blah, blah. And I feel they are doing this first as a showing of, like, oh, they're taking their responsibility mm-hmm. seriously. seriously. But they know, they know that whatever they decide, will the guilt will be on them. If yeah. they don't do it, there's going to be a guilt or that are, like, so they want to make sure that they're doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just want to mention that the only thing they found about not killing or not like doing the 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 hard way and uh, um, yeah and it was the uh, Cuba Missile Crisis, mm-hmm. which I'm sorry, but like that's why we called it the Cold War. That's because there was never active violence. Doesn't mean it was not a war. And I like that they see that as a non-violence thing yeah. when it. It was still violence, just that there were oh, there were no casualty. That's what the difference. Mm. Hmm. But I'm sorry, there were other political moves that there were no casualties. There's just easier to see, like history is written with blood. Yeah. So they should have had a political background. That's what I'm mm. saying. Uh, <laughs> um, 
before uh, Elliot changed it, like we see that Elliot decided, okay, I'm not going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Baylor and say, yo, what do you want me to do to, to change Fillory? Why? Well, why does he do that? Is it out of guilt? No. That's what I'm wondering. No? It's, it's him being smart and saying like, okay, like I want to actually ask the people if the people are so upset about how I'm running this, then why don't I just ask the people like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Why don't I just ask the people what they want? Mm. Like, okay, bro, if you want Fillory to be better, tell me how to do it because I have to be in charge and that's not my fault. Believe me, I wouldn't fucking be here if I didn't have to be. That's how I'm I sorry. It. If you put... Uh, Trump instead of Elliot, same thing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah, except one is a very attractive man and one is a yeah. Cheeto. I was going to say a cheesecloth and I don't know why. Well, is it cheesecloth too? I mean. It's a cheesecloth um, full of Cheetos. And another thing is, why did Fenn waited that Baylor was safe to confront him. Was she able to sit on her guilt of being a Foo Fighter and like wanting to confront him? Well, was she able to like not confront him if she w- he would die or think, not that he's alive? Well, I think she wanted to wait till he was alone. But like when uh, when Margot and oh, Elliot, she, she waits till after they've decided not to execute yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the last things that happened in the show. Well, I guess because if he is dead, then who cares? There's nothing to do about it. <laughs> I mean, well, that's fair. Right? Like, what else is she going like, to say to him? I don't know. Well, yeah, but like, even if someone dies, you can't go and confront him about his action. I think like part of it was a message for the other Foo Fighters. Yeah, I don't know. But like she guilt him into like he's like, oh, I, I did I say ask? I say order? Blah blah blah. And she's like, dude, I'm pregnant. And, like, you see his face change of, like, oh, shit, she's not on her side anymore. Yeah. Like, he was trying to guilt her and, until, on being a, a Philorian United, a Foo Fighter. And uh, she's not. And uh, just before we go to... Uh, Your favorite. Quentin, my favorites, let's take an ad break. We just wanted to take a few seconds to thank all of our patrons who are making this show possible. People like Elliot and because of your donations, we are able to host this podcast and have better equipment, even uh, having a studio when we have renovation in our house. Uh, I'm still sorry about all the background noise that sometimes you can uh, hear. Believe me, there was like three times as much in the initial recording. <laughs> Uh, if you want to join the Foo Fighters, just go on patreon.com slash United. And with as little as $1, you have access to a lot of audio bonuses and exclusive stuff. Now I will let you go with the show. Bye. Okay. Emily and Quentin. Bow. Okay, so I just want to say, I think the most important and first thing is that nobody feels guilty about masturbating at this office. (laughs) I wrote the same thing. Is it a thing or is it just the the environment of this place? I have never masturbated at work. I'm also a nanny, so it would be vastly inappropriate. Same because I work in an airport. Please tweet at us. Does anyone masturbate at the office? Because, like, we are not uh, uh, in a corporate office, so... What the fuck? And yeah. even and, and, and Quentin is like, I'm not doing that, Jesus. But like, it, it kind of sounded. Quentin is like, like, what is wrong with you? But also, like, it kind of sounded like maybe he did once. Oh, you know? I don't think so. 
I think it sounded more like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? I never would have even thought of that. <laughs> no, seems like the kind of guy who needs to, like, light candles and be in the dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, I, I want to, uh, uh, remember I was saying this uh, season was all uh, the color world talking about their emotions. Mm-hmm. Quentin being uh, all in gray and, like, the office being white and gray. Uh, it's an association with monotony, but also this... Um, cut in a box uh like person that like um we have a french express expression say metro boulot dodo which is metro work sleep yeah oh metro is like the subway here yeah the uh, subway um subway work and sleep which is like that's what you do and Like the guy was like, yeah, I have two kids, so I, I have to masturbate at work now, and you know, and like they're like b- having this like drab life that we were talking about, like oh, you are supposed to do that. I feel those people are that. Yeah. And but it it it, it, it the, this great tone is is all about monotony and all, all like all the life and the light is drained out of you. I also just want to say that in the producers in the musical the producers there's a song where the one character is working in an office and there's like all of the like office workers doing the same thing and the song goes like this unhappy unhappy very unhappy 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 very 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 unhappy and that's what this made me think of they're all like stamping their papers <laughs> like to the song yeah and but yeah that they're this just like mechanical <laughs> being in a like gear system and i work in a place where like we are a system where like if one doesn't do his job the other will be impacted it's fucked over Yeah, but basically, uh, but I mean that doesn't mean that like it's drab. This place m- makes you just feel like you're a pawn, and that you're nothing. Think of, it makes me think of the word accounting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to any. But like even even Q's dad said at at the beginning when he doesn't know that Q is a magician, he's like, "Are you really an an, an accounting guy? You're not. Like, yeah, we don't believe your bullshit, dude." <laughs> and. Um, Fog sent you there because he, yeah. he tells Penny, "Oh, I'm gonna send you where uh, and do the same thing that I did with Q." Yeah, that would mean that Q went to Fog and Fog did that. Why did he try to convince Quentin to do otherwise? Oh, I think Quentin asked. I yeah, don't but think he tried to convince him. No, no, no. I, like, but why didn't Fog try to talk him out of it? Because Fog doesn't give a fuck. Well, he does give a fuck about Alice and Quentin. But I think he thinks, uh, like, he's like, well, if that's what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. And, like, you, you already fucked shit up enough. Like, I'm not going to convince you to stay in magic and fuck up more shit. Do you, feel, do you think Fog feel guilty about Alice's death and he's like, if that's how you want to erase your pain, go for it? Yeah, I just don't, I don't know. I don't think Fog feels that deeply. <laughs> I do. I do. What I also wanted to say is, um, in the beginning... Quentin and Emily go out for some food and yes. they're drinking some wine and she spills some wine and they literally have just been like, magic is the worst. It's terrible. And then she spills some wine and he immediately like reflexively uses a spell to clean up yeah. the wine. And he's like immediately like, oh my God, like I'm so, and feels immensely guilty and does that thing. Like <laughs> I, it reminds, if I feel like it's, So he goes to her office and apologizes, which is another interesting thing. I feel like apologizing is trying to absolve yourself of guilt. Yeah, and she said, no, I don't accept your apology. Which, which you I love. Go, you go, girl. 
But I feel like Quentin trying to apologize, like the way that he does it. And I'm just imagining him like sitting there and like starting to write an email and then stopping and then like start. It reminds me of like when you text someone and you're like, we okay. And they don't text you back and you just keep texting them. Like that's what it feels like. Yeah. I text that you mad. Yeah. You mad. You You mad, bro. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it feels like because Quentin's just inevitably awkward and has anxiety. So like, I just imagine him like typing seven emails and then being like, maybe I should just go in person. Like, I don't. (laughs) How do I human? How do human? Yes. But yeah. And I, I, I like that this thing that he feels so guilty about was just a reflex. Yeah. Like how can, like any, like he's basically trying to unlearn and it's a bit like, a person gendering wrongly a, a, a someone that is transitioning. But instead of, like, making a big deal out of it... Just be like, sorry. Sorry, and, uh, like, him, uh, her, <laughs> and that's it. But he makes this big thing out of it, which makes it a thing. Which, yeah. And, like, uh, to a point where Emily is like, oh, we shouldn't be together, like, at the same office, blah, blah, blah. But if he, if he would have apologized at the moment and said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry... He doesn't, yeah. yeah. But he does in the moment. Yeah. He does immediately, and she's just like, whatever. Um, which sometimes you need time to process things, and that's totally valid. Um, so later on, they are, when they have their, like, cheat day. By the way, this is the part that boils the anger. Like, right now, I feel a boil- boiling anger inside me. I fucking hate this part. Um, so when they have their cheat day, first of all, I feel like the idea of a cheat day is like an excuse to not feel guilty. Like, well, we can do the thing. It's like when I tell myself, uh, I can eat this two pieces of cake and then tomorrow I won't do it. Like, or, yeah, or it, when, it, when, uh, Elliot was cheating on Finn by saying like, oh, she's in another world or he's in another yes. country. Same it's thing. Like, making some kind of excuse for why you don't have to feel guilty and guess what the next day Quentin wakes up and he feels like shit but that's it doesn't work yeah like drunk you say let's make back decisions so you know that he's gonna feel guilty for what it is and he does and it's bad you know and that's like that's why what he's doing right now it's called self-destruction and I think I'm so angry at him because self-destruction when it's doing on purpose like you it's 10 times worse and I want to punch him in the face because like, dude, there are people that are here to help you if you let them. But instead, you'd rather go fuck that girl and self-destroy because you feel guilty for Alice's death, which is bad because after that, after that, he says like, I feel even worse. Yeah. You know? And he, and it's interesting because, you know, he, they're like playing truth or dare because they're like 19 and he asks you, so blame yourself. And she's like, no, except for like every part of every day, you know? And I, you know, there's like, she clearly feels very guilty about what happened, even mm-hmm. though like, honestly, like it was a teacher's fault for taking advantage of a student. If you ask me, even though they're adults, they're in grad school, that's still inappropriate. And I, I just, you know, I, and believe me, I actually, one of my very good, my Tracy, one of my very good friends, that's how her, her, her parents met. Um, her Student. mom was her, her dad's teacher. Oh, that's hot. <laughs> like in college. Uh, I don't hot. know if it was grad school, right? <laughs> so like, it's very nuanced because it's different, like you're of age, but it's still like, I mean, he's much older than her. And again, like, I don't want to be ageist. So like, there's a lot of like, but it's just, I don't know. That feels like a teacher. But he made her feel that she's not pretty enough. 
That's why, why he, she, you made her feel that she's not pretty enough, and that's well, why. Did he make her feel that way, or did she? Uh, she just had some insecurity. I always interpreted it as she always had an insecurity about being not pretty, and and when he was like, "Sorry, you know, I'm got well, I want to be with my wife, whatever or whoever." Um, she was like, oh, it's because I'm not beautiful enough. Like, that mm. triggered that insecurity for her. That, I don't think he was like, you're not pretty enough. I don't want to be with you. Bye. Okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, I like that cue uh, when he wakes up and feel bad. And she's like, oh, we can continue, blah, blah, blah. And she's, he's like, we cannot have, we cannot eat every day. I know, and- I can't eat a piece of cake every day, Catherine, Okay. <laughs> Even if you do. This is about me. <laughs> but the fact that, no, but the fact that, like, through his guilt, he realized what he did wrong. And, like, Q won't have another cheat day like that. Also, at the end, he said, I don't want to use magic like that. And it's not the first time Q talk about the use of magic and how you want to use it. And I find it interesting that he has this idea of like what how he want to use magic and i think he has this i think q had this idea of what magic should and shouldn't be from reading flurry and further and from yeah. being in 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 a world where, where you have power because like i i know that i have been there with harry potter where like i had this question of like okay will i use use a la la because i i'm so in 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 deep in that um, fandom so i think quentin and his idea of how he want to use magic or not is the same with how he saw himself in fillery use magic mm. the um the last thing that i have written down mm-hmm. at least is just about uh quentin feeling guilty about alice and feeling like it's his fault and there's a lot of that uh happening throughout this i think this is the episode i will say that for the first time in this episode i actually teared up when he sees her and it's just like it's just so good to see you like that's all he wants is just i i started crying it was very touching like Jason makes does such a fucking good job for that scene because like your you see his heart break, you know, like it's not just it's like, oh. like they're actors. Yeah, but like Jason when when there, you know, he's good with his yeah. face. He has no, puppy I mean, eyes. All of them, but well, that's what I mean. Like all of them are in this show are really yeah. good. Hale yeah. especially too. In that scene where Mike dies, that always breaks oh, me. Like my his God. like the, the way that he just breaks, I'm like. Oh. Yeah, I think every every character has a, a scene. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, every yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Do you so have anything it's time, else? No, it's time no. for Lecture okay. Divina. Great. So, um, so Lecture Divina is a uh, monastic practice we are not monks but we're gonna do it we're gonna do our little version of it Mm -hmm. um so basically it happens in four steps the first step is that we so we're gonna pick um a quote from the script of this Mm -hmm. episode and we're gonna talk about like what's actually happening in this this part of the show right now the second step is that we're gonna think about what stories it might remind us of just like other other stories from other things um the third step is what does it remind us of in our own lives and the fourth step is what do we feel called to do so we're gonna uh do that now cat if you would please read our sentence that's the sentence that Seth chose for yeah i literally cat was like ah pick one so i just scroll down and pick the first one but honestly that like that's what i do most of the time and this one like uh, no that's not true last time last episode i did i had the the (laughs) sentence popped into my into me but like usually i just scroll and look and if one comes to me i'm like okay uh and i think that's what lecture should be because we're looking at the text and whatever it is 
we should find a meaning out of it. Well, it's, yeah, it's the idea that anything can have meaning and anything can be sacred. And I think, um, the, also the idea that like, I mean, I think that's part of the idea of the podcast, right? Is that this show can have so much more, you know, it can have a lot of meaning to us as people. Yeah. See, the construction agrees. Uh, so the sentence is, is everybody here really so lifeless? Yes. So what's literally happening here is that Quentin and Emily are having a conversation and there's Quentin is talking about sort of this work world mentality. And I also, like, I don't know why I get the feeling that they're maybe like in suburbia. Yeah, it sounds it sound like they're not in Brooklyn. Yeah, to me, or like they're in a part of Brooklyn that's more like the suburbs, but it doesn't feel like they're in Manhattan. Like, yeah. And like, I don't, I don't know that for sure, but it comes off to me like, like the suburbs where it's like, oh, you've got your wife and your kids and you're masturbating well, in your office. Because that's well, the thing suburbs. is, uh, the magician did use gray scale, scales of uh, painting for Brooklyn. Maybe that's why we made the association of gray, but like, honestly, even if it's not, I think the association is there. As far as like the allegory, so the second step is like, Allegory, what stories does this remind you of? Can you say the sentence again? Is everybody out here really so lifeless? Yes. Okay. What it reminds me of is I was, ju I've just been rewatching the last season oh, of wait. Steven Universe. I think we didn't say what happened. We just I said that we're in Brooklyn. I'm sorry. I don't think we said anything else, but there they're in yes. Brooklyn. Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. I I, I, I believe think so. I'll repeat it just in case. Okay. So they're, I think they're kind of like in suburbia, whatever. Uh, basically, they're having lunch and they're just talking about how kind of drab it is there. Perfect. That's They're on their lunch break. Um, so as far as the second step uh, goes, it's what kind of stories or things does it make us think of? Kat, can you say the sentence again? Is everybody out here so lifeless? Yes. <laughs> so that makes me think of uh, I've just been rewatching the last season season five of Steven Universe and it makes me think of The Working Dead which is a song that um, what's her name sings? Sadie oh Sadie Killer Sadie. thank you so it makes me think think of that which is just a song about like how work sucks and we're just like zombies and I don't know that's what it makes me think but of it's, it, it's funny because um uh, I I once had to do this like 12 hour shift that was crazy and at one point I was alone and I blasted this song <laughs> as a, like I need my anger to go somewhere so show notes <laughs> show notes <laughs> yeah we're gonna make it in the show notes because it's a really really good song can it oh I was gonna oh, man can we just ask Rebecca Sugar if we can have the license and put it at the end of the episode <laughs> well we can there's always fair use so and we're we're gonna play a little extract here really ought to be in morning but I've got another shift this morning every day feels like it's never ending what's the point of all this time I'm spending here There you go. Yeah, it's very useful. <laughs> what about uh, you? Does it make you think of any stories? Everybody out here so lifeless. 
Yes. It makes me think of a, a storyline that nobody will ever relate in the podcast because it's a Quebecois thing. Uh, my sister used to work for, uh, she was the administrative assistant of the president of a circus. And they had this uh, show where basically it was a guy that was in gray doing like this boring job and to escape this reality went into a fantasy land, which was um, the circus, basically, and all mm -hmm. the acrobatic. But it made me think of this show and how, like, how people use their creativity in order to escape the monotony of life or or like fantasy to escape reality yeah and i think that's a lot of like what quentin does mm -hmm. i do and a lot of people in the fandom do of like there's this amazing uh comic that i saw where a guy is watching tv and it's yelling at him like bad news and fake news and war and blah 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 and he's freaking out and he turns and there's the doctor in the, his boot with like garnet and uh like all the other fandoms like a supernatural and blah 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 and he say like hey come on in Aww. and the guy like goes there and i think that's the, yeah it makes me think of this image of like Receiving all the bad news, but needed a break from it, and like turning towards the fandoms. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, okay, so the third step is: what does it remind you of in your life? Well, um, I just said it. <laughs> oh, I take the magician to escape my own reality. Yeah, but, go talk about it. Well, at first that was it. I mean, that that's why I. I I watched The Magician, I was in depression, and I didn't have anything to do, and you made me discover that, and I became obsessed. But when mm -hmm. I think about it, I made The Magician part of my life, because now I have the, the I have to podcast, I have the D&D the book that I'm writing pre uh, presently. I, we have Tada on our wall. <laughs> we have Tada on our wall, we did cosplay. We have a bunny. The we bunny a... was, okay, the reason we got a bunny was totally because of The Magician. Oh, yeah, I became obsessed with a bunny. Is our, and he's our son. Yeah, but like he became, I became a stuff bunnies because of the magician, and and I don't regret it. But I think that this whole um, like it's part of me now. So sometimes, like when something happened in the fandom, it's hard because it's part of me now. It's yeah. not just like oh, I'm it's gonna watch stuff through. It's personal. It's personal. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's not in a way. Especially as being such a big part of the fan fandom, it's like this world that you've created for yourself and you've invested a lot of time into helping create this world too. Yeah. So it hurts when the world isn't working well. Yeah, exactly. And Just be like Ember and turn everybody into rats. No. <laughs> it's not it's not working. Rats. <laughs> Wait, oh my god. I just but it's funny because I just realized that rats is an expression like when things aren't going well, you'd be like, ah oh, rats. <laughs> I don't know why. Like things aren't going well, so rats. <laughs> But yeah, anyway. I just I, it just makes me think of how I turned something that I liked into a, a, a work. And at the end of the day, there was this great quote that I heard not long ago of like, I think it was a Hello from the Magic Tavern who said, people that give you, like, even if you get your dream job, they, what they don't tell you is it's still a job. Yeah. And I like this quote because, like, sometime I would look at it and, like, I don't want to wor work on the book, but I have to because, like, people mm. put money into it and blah, blah, blah. So I'm, like, I, I, and I turn to other fandoms when I need a break, such as Steven Universe, mm -hmm. to really have a break of what I'm doing because the magician became work for me, which yeah. is okay. It's just, like, having to realize that 
fandom can become work. Yeah, for sure. What um, about you? So for me, can you say the sentence again? Is everybody out here so life, lifeless? Yes. I like your yes. Um, <laughs> so for me, it just, it reminds me of, unfortunately for me, when I work a job for too long, I always get into this slump. And I mean, even just like a year, because usually with a nanny, mm-hmm. as a nanny, my contracts are about a year long because kids usually go to daycare. Uh And so I get into this like rut where I just feel like, like I feel like a zombie. Um, And I also like, I have narcolepsy as I've mentioned before on the podcast. So like I'm very tired and it's just hard for me to do my job and like be motivated to do my job after a while. Or even get get up on the bed. Burnout. And I'm at this point right now where uh, my contract is up in two months. The kids are going to daycare. It's like a month and a half now, actually. And I need to find another job. And I just, I don't want to work a full-time job anymore. I really want to do a part-time job and um, and be able to work on my my new podcast that I've been working on, Rad Child, which is a child care related and has nothing to do with the magicians. Um, what? <laughs> I know, I have other interests. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's like what you were saying about this idea of... <clears throat> of like needing to escape that mundane everyday life and do something creative. Mm-hmm. And for me, like that creative thing is the podcast. I'm like knowing that I still have to work, but maybe balancing that with doing something I want to do and not working 50 hours a week and feeling like I want to die. Yeah. Well, and that's, and it's, it's something that, um, I used to work full time at, at the call center before I was transferred to the airport for the company I'm working with. And I was wor- working 40 hours a week in a place with like cubes and like we're not talking to each other and we're fixing a screen. And I was alienated. And when I came back to from work, we had this discussion of like, should I work full time or part time? And you're like, dude, if you can do 20 hours, do 20 hours. We're going to find and like find another way to make money, which is like why, I, why I'm doing my store, or my Etsy, stuff like that. And like, it's not perfect, but at least like... I'm not dying at work or like overexerting myself to a point where I cannot be creative. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening with you right now. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not able to have the creative energy that I need. Like what society wants us to do. And I think our, our generation is really like that, that yeah. we realize we do not want to work 40 hours. Like my mom was like, was like so impressed about the parental leaves and the fact that you have conciliation my sister works at home one day a week so she can take up the kids and be with them more you know that was not a thing in my mom's and my dad's generation also just so everyone feels jealous here in quebec you can take up to a year of parental leave and it's parental leave not like maternity leave so either parent yeah Uh, but to a year it's just that if you you can choose to take six months and if you take less time you get paid more yeah you can take more time but like it's really good here. Come to Quebec. And also, like, if, if let's say my sister take the parental leave, my brother-in-law could take up to a month and a half. After that, it's on his own. Oh, so one parent can take the parental leave and the other one can take a little bit. A I little bit, that. yeah. Yeah. Like My for mom the- went to where she hadn't even healed from her fucking C-section yet. And she had to go back to work after like a week or two or something. This is disgusting. Into an office and, where, and also where everything fun, was gray and she was stamping things. And also, fun fact: uh, here, when you get a baby, you don't get a bill out of it. 
Um, so the fourth step is what do I feel called to do? And for me, it's it just is pushing me and reminding me that as I'm choosing, as I'm interviewing and choosing what job that I want to take, um, to remember to try and give myself time to mm-hmm. be creative. And I, I actually got to one point in my job where I was like, do not let me take a full-time job yep. after this. But just that reminder that to, to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and my needs mm-hmm. as well when I'm choosing a job. What about for, you? Uh, for me, um, my work has this mentality of the more hours you work. Like, you know, at school, there is this moment of like, I didn't sleep for three days. Yes. Oh, I totally used to brag about taking 22 credits. Uh, and the thing is, I, for me, my oh, I my anxiety was that I was doing everything. Every, every if the thing was due the tent, the first I was I, I, the thing was done because like I couldn't handle. So I had a week of like relax and I can focus on revision yeah. and stuff. Um, but so I never had a, a, a full night without sleep in university, and I did two BAs. So, and I pride myself into that. But there's this like academic like, oh, look how many hours I didn't sleep. And at I work, haven't showered in three days. Yeah. And at my work, is, Ooh, look at how many shifts I'm doing. Like I'm doing the my third double this week. And I feel guilty because I cannot participate. And I tried one day. I didn't even have an hour because, well, it was not on purpose. It's because it was a shit day and they needed me. And I braked. And it took me a week to come back from that. So, like, instead of, like, trying to do, like, everyone and breaking myself and not being able to work on the long run, like, going my pace and reminding myself that it's okay if I cannot do more than that. And it's not because society tells me that I should be like that, that I have to be. It's, like, proven that 40 hours is too much to work. Yeah. So uh, it's just like uh, that's like sometimes your work culture cannot be good, such as let's all masturbate at the office. Uh, and that like you not buying into it doesn't mean you're bad. So do you want to do the flower in the vase now? Yes. My favorite. Um, so flower in the vase is uh, an old, it comes from a French expression that's basically like don't give a backhanded compliment. Um, and uh Yeah, so we are going to pick someone who we think uh, deserves a commendation, and we're going to give them a flower, and we're going to pick someone who deserves a vase in the face, and we're going to throw a vase in their face. Yes. So, um, do you want to go first? Do you have yours? Uh, I'm going to give my... my, um, Flower? Flower to Katie. Oh, I'm giving her one, too. You can. She gets two flowers. I'll give her a different kind of flower than you. Okay. Uh, uh, just for uh, saying that she had an abortion and that is fine and that she like it's like making Julia safe because basically uh, Julia was like oh uh, like uh, I feel alone blah 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 but the first thing is I understand what you feel I have been there so she relates but also reminding her that she's not alone and as as a trauma person, it's you important. You are not alone. Truly. Truly. I was thinking of Dear Evan Uh <laughs> But uh, the, that, like, um, not only acknowledging her pain, but reminding her, because sometimes when you are in, in trauma, you can feel that you are alone. So uh, you go, Katie. 
Yeah. I will give my face to Emily and Quentin for the whole thing. Hating that, that part because fuck you, Quentin. Fuck you, Emily. What the fuck are you doing? I'm so fucking angry. Yep. Okay. Um, well, I'm also going to give my flower to Katie. I will give Katie, uh, you know, some some chill baby's breath. Because I want to, you know, because I want to give her a different flower than than a cat did. Fun fact, baby's breath is edible. Um, fact, I didn't know it was a flower. Eat your corsages. Uh, my roommate did once. That's how I found out it was edible. She was like, did you know? her, literally her boyfriend, this was Joe, her, her boyfriend, now husband, gave her a corsage. And she was like, oh, baby's breath. Do you know it's edible? And then she ate some like a fucking goat off of her corsage. And her boyfriend was just like, uh, that was expensive. Anyway, I fucking love you, Joe. You don't listen to this podcast. Um, but anyway, so I want to give my uh, my flower to Katie because just, I mean, for similar reasons, but just like for really stepping up and being a good fucking friend and like yeah. being vulnerable and like stepping into parent mode. Like, you know, when you just need to be like, she like shift modes, yep. like she just was able to like switch and just be like, hey, this is what you need right now. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to put my own shit like. You know, on, back, mean, like, on the I back don't burner. Have time to like feel guilty about this being my fault. I don't have time. Like yep. I need to be there for you because she could have made it about her. Yeah, she could have been like, "Oh, this is my fault. If I hadn't done this, then you wouldn't be in this, and that would have been fucking shitty." Yeah. Um. And so I just flowers to Katie. Um. I'm gonna give my vase to. Hmm. This is good. Quentin and Emily. Quentin and Emily. No. Shh. Um. I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, I'm gonna give my vase to Margot in this episode. Because, oh. Uh, she just really fucking wanted to kill somebody and not have a conversation. Like they kind of had a conversation about it, but not really. And the fact that she's like mad at Elliot. I think she's more mad at him for not telling her. Like, yeah, she's more mad about not telling her than like, like feeling <laughs> undermined. But like also like the fact the fact that Elliot is like, hey, I found a better way to do this, and she's like, well, fuck you. We said we were gonna kill somebody. I'm just like, Margo, get over yourself. Your hair looks great in this episode, and I love your outfit. But get the fuck over yourself. So yeah. she gets a vase, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. This has been Delorean United. Once again, we want to thank you for your patience while we have construction. Let's hope there is none during the thank you. <laughs> we want to thank Harry Potter and the Sacred Text as well as Spirit Podcast for the more inspirations and mentor. Big thank you to Vanessa Zoltan for her, her teaching of Lectio Divina. We want to thank again our patron people like Elliot that uh, make this podcast happen and everything that we've been creating. If you want to join the Foo Fighters, just go Patreon.com. United. If you want to join us on Tumblr or on Facebook, we are under Philorians United. On Twitter, we are at Philorians. Next time, hopefully the construction will be over. And until then, we wish you a wonderful day. Bye! Tired from work. <laughs> Hate I had to just go to the Catholic church because it was on campus uh, to be involved. And the priest there was super, he was super chill. He played D&D with us. Like, he was really fucking cool. Um, Was he a cleric or a paladin? uh, He was a half-orc and he was a monk. 
<laughs> and he had taken a vow of poverty, so he couldn't own any possessions. So if you ever gave him something, he'd be like, thanks, and then immediately have to give it away. <laughs> That's cool. It was great. He, he was great. But anyway. Sporkful Production.